You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanishevsky. Hey everybody, welcome. Come on in to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast. I'm Natasha in Calgary. Al is over in Toronto. What's up, Al? How's it going? Happy Thursday to you. Happy Thursday to you. I'm watching a Christmas commercial right now. Does that bother you when you see does that bother you when you see Christmas commercials in November? I'm sorry to, to begin this way, but it's a bit it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine. Um, the Christmas carols and stuff that happen seemingly the day after Halloween. Does that is that an irritance to you by any chance? No. Don't be sorry. It is. Uh, I don't like it either. It's way yeah. too early, in my opinion. I was in a home since the other day, and there was just Christmas everywhere, everywhere. I, I, I don't know. To me, it's too early. I like December first. That's when I put my tree up. I agree. That's when I play the Christmas carols or whatever. But I don't know. I completely agree. So we are that. We are one of those houses that go a little bit over the top with Christmas lights. And since I had a, a little boy, I didn't think I was that guy, but apparently I am that guy. Um, so now there's a debate raging on in my household about Christmas lights and when they should go up. And I'm of the like you. I said no, not before December. No way. I'm not yeah. getting on that ladder before December because I don't want to. I don't know. It's just something about November Christmas lights and Christmas carols and Christmas commercials and. Uh, all the other stuff. It just irritates the heck out of me. So anyway, now that's off my chest. Everything else is great, Natasha. You know, though, I do, like, I don't think we're the only ones. When I was at that home sense the other day and they are blasting the Christmas carols, I didn't feel like anybody was feeling the Christmas spirit yet. Like, it just, there's no snow here in Cal- I mean, it snowed last week for the first time, but it didn't really stick for more than a day. There's no snow around. It's, what is it, November 18th? It seems like a really polarizing topic, right? Because either you feel really you, you oh, feel yeah. really strongly either way. Either you love the Christmas carols or you absolutely hate it. And I think I fall on the hate side. So it's a uh, it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, I have a question. But not about tree up on November first. So. No. Yeah. Well, listen, I have a neighbor that puts and I'm looking at him right now at the window who has Christmas lights up all year round. And not 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 illuminated all year round, but up all year round. And right. I don't know. I I condemn him every time I drive by the house. I I, I look at him and I shake my head because I think, um, and he keeps them illuminated like at least till March. They're like Easter lights or something because I don't I don't understand it. Uh, but he keeps them all year round. And I I don't know. Again, I I, I frown upon that. It's a hotly debated topic. I think right. It's, <laughs> it's polarizing. People have strong opinions. They absolutely forget about masks. Let's talk about Christmas lights. That's the real polarizing discussion. Okay, um, yeah, but no, I am good. I want to ask you about your experience at Canada. Okay, let's talk about Canada soccer because that is maybe the most excited I've been right now about soccer in my lifetime because of how amazing the Canadian soccer team is playing. How was your experience? in Edmonton in the frigid temperatures last week. Yeah. Speaking of snow, right? Well, I, so I went to the game on Friday when it was balmy compared to Tuesday. Friday, it was, <laughs> the temperature was hovering around zero, which I could totally okay. handle. I had my winter boots. I had my double pants. I had my, you know, my big coat and all the things. I had those little um, warmers that you stick in your gloves. You know, those things you crush. I know, at zero degrees, you had that. Wait, at zero degrees, you had the yeah, hangover. I'm, I'm cold all the wow. time. So put me out in that stadium where it gets a little windy, and you're up way, you know, you're up high. And, yeah. And, okay. Yeah. It's just I, did, I wanted to enjoy it, and the second you're cold, the second 
I just turned into a baby. So yes, I brought <laughs> those little hand warmer things. Um, shoot, I was going somewhere and I forget where I was going to say, but it was, yeah, the temperature, like it was fine for those few hours. Uh, and I really enjoyed it on Friday. It was, it was now, that was the game against Costa Rica, correct? And that was the game against okay. Costa Rica. They won one nil. That was the game that you and I were talking about before that Christian was saying that they had Christian Jack KJ. We had him on last week was saying that they had to win, right? They really needed those three points, uh, which they did. And it was awesome. I hadn't been to Commonwealth forever and I hadn't seen a crowd like that at Commonwealth for a very long time. So it was great to see all the fans um, and we got the win. But Tuesday, I mean, Tuesday, I couldn't go to that game. I had to come back to Calgary. I don't think I would have lasted Tuesday. Like like I said, I'm a baby. <laughs> I mean, I would have, I probably would have had to wear like a full on head to toe skidoo suit on Tuesday, which I'm sure a lot of people did. But um, yeah, like I said, Edmontonians show up for things for things. Kudos to those fans. I think there were a lot of people out of the city who came in. I had cousins in Vancouver who flew into Toronto just for, or into Edmonton, just for that game on Tuesday. Seriously. Soccer fans. Yeah. I feel, I would like to know the stats on that actually, how many out of towners went into Edmonton for that game. But um, anyways, like you said, I, it, I watched it from the coziness of my living room and what a, what a night, what a match. Wow. What a spectacle it was. And again, beyond just the game, I mean, I, I was there, I actually thought the game started at eight o'clock uh, local. So I was ready at home on the couch and I ended up watching the full hour kind of pregame, let's call it of soccer. Yeah. And it was so patriotic and it was so just, it was, it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. And it was a build up to a, amazing game and i don't know i rarely okay, i don't watch soccer that much but this seemed like a really chippy game, <laughs> a really chippy game right there was a lot of like fouling and a lot of like really seemingly aggressive play and the, the commentators i thought did a really good job of explaining some of the stuff to those of us who may not be as versed uh, as well versed in, in in kind of soccer plays and terminology and such but but did you find it like that as well i found there was a lot of elbows and a lot of like you know a yes. lot of very aggressive play Right off the hop, they were kind of beaking each other, weren't they? Like from the opening whistle, I was like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. But you're right. It was, there was a lot of um, extracurricular activities, I guess we could call it, which I wasn't expecting. Um, Me neither. But it was kind of nice to see, it was kind of nice to, I don't know about you again, I have this, maybe this little bit of a complex of Canadians being too nice sometimes. And it was nice to see them push back. And it was nice to see, for sure. uh, you know, I'd say a little bit more aggressive push on the Canadian side. They have that, as much as I hate the word swag and swagger, they have a bit of a presence about them, right? They have this confidence, it seems, about them. Um, and uh, it was really, really evident. At no point did I ever think that, I mean, maybe in the last three or four minutes, was, which was the most emotional three or four minutes of any soccer game I've ever seen before and kind of in my life. But for that first 85 minutes, it looked like Canada was just by far the better team. And Mexico are the giants of CONCACAF, right? They're, they're the giants of our division. And um, and now they lost twice in a row, right? They lost to the U.S. and they lost to Canada yeah. back-to-back in the span of like five days. Um, but yeah, it was a, a lot of fun to see. And I love the aggressiveness out of, uh, out of Canada. Um, the last four minutes, I, I don't know what was happening there. I was freaking out. Uh, the save that Milan Borion made was unreal in those gray sweatpants, which <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I don't, can't stop laughing about the gray sweatpants. Somehow, why was he wearing gray sweatpants? <laughs> I don't know. And they weren't great sweatpants either, but, but no, the save though, the save was out of this world, right? I mean, they were, it was, yeah, I, I, I actually thought the ball had went in initially. And when they showed the replay, the position of his body to make that save was out of this world. Did you catch before that when Mexico scored the goal 
and he was trying to hold the ball, and then the four yes. Mexican guys were surrounding him trying to grab the ball. Were they doing that just to go get the ball to go back to center pitch so they could start again, or was that more of like a celebration thing? I, I wasn't sure. It's a good question. Obviously, they needed to score again to tie it, mm-hmm. so I think they were trying to to hurry up and get the action going, like keep it going quickly, I think. But I'm not totally sure. But it was aggressive, whatever was happening. Hyper aggressive, hyper aggressive. Yeah, I liked it. I, I, I kind of, I, I'm in, I'm in favor of all aggressive play in soccer. But Milan's a pretty emotional guy. Like at the end too, after yeah. the match, did you see the way he was like pushing the Canadians? I did. Like, telling them to like stay out of trouble, and that was a little. That was kind of funny. Just, I don't know. It was seemed a little. But, he, but he, again, he was being pretty aggressive, right? He was giving some real yes. big two-handed. Uh, two-handed shoves to his, to his fellow players, but it's, it, I mean, probably true. Right? I think the best way to, to rub it in is to run around the pitch with your flags up and celebrate with the right. 50,000 drunk Canadian fans that were there. And that atmosphere, like you, I mean, like you alluded to earlier, looked like it was amazing. One of those iconic moments, right? I've had, I've been lucky enough to be at a few Canadian sports iconic moments. I was there when Joey Bats did the bat flip and I was there when Kawhi hit the shot for the Raptors. This, I think, is one of those, right? It's like Sidney Crosby's kind of golden goal. It's 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 up with that. This is a huge win, I think. Yeah. Um, and now they're in first place and kind of our side of the standings and uh, positioning ourselves for world. Atop the table. There's the terminology. You've been hanging out with KJ too much. That's right. Top of the table. Who, I mean, did we ever think we would ever say that about the Canadian men's soccer team ever? I don't think so. Uh, so it is, yeah, it is amazing that they are out there. And the snowbank moment, we didn't touch on that yet, did we? The snowbank moment, the flying. We did the not. People saying that's amazing. Canadian celebrations ever. Yeah, just yeah. the whole night was was kind of a, a magical night. So they are atop the table. Go Canada. Next up, uh, a drastically different location i believe they're in honduras at the end of january so <laughs> is that where they are next nice. <laughs> well, that's who they're okay. playing yes so there you go we'll see um yeah we'll see if they can keep this rolling it's exciting let's though. see it's exciting. i mean look, it, once you beat costa rica and you beat you know mexico we assume hopefully this isn't a letdown game hopefully this isn't that i don't know if, given the time between the two matches how that works and such but i mean it would be amazing to see canada not just qualify for the world cup, but to actually mm-hmm. get in there as, you know, kind of atop the table, as you say, um, would be an amazing, amazing, amazing accomplishment. And that celebration, I just want to touch on it real quick, was awesome, right? I mean, to see the guy yeah. playing kind of across the screen and jumping into the snowbank, I thought was as Canadian as it gets without having a Tim Hortons double double in his hand and maybe a toucan or something. But it was, right. it was, uh, it was awesome. It was amazing. And, I, and it's, um, and I think uh, it speaks for a lot of Canadians when they say, I am a newfound soccer fan, I think, right? I mean, whereas before, I don't necessarily know that I would have been paying attention to when the next Canada game is, but now that you've told me they're playing Honduras next, I'm going to make a mental note and say, all right, I want to watch this game because I feel more invested now, um, you know, uh, which is amazing. Uh, and so go Canada soccer. I can't wait to, uh, to, to see how this plays out over the course of the next few months. There you go. Uh, yeah. And the crowd, I, lots of, um, lots of families in the crowd, lots of little soccer teams all around me, which was cool to see. So anyways, yes. A lot of people jumping on this soccer bandwagon, which is uh, great to see. Up on. Absolutely. Uh, what else? What else is going on? What else have you been watching this week? Well, I mean, let's, can we, can we, we, we can't go too much further without talking about the Leafs, can we? Right? I mean, isn't that the epicenter of the Canadian universe? Is, isn't that how it works or something? Isn't that, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my universe. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, anyway, so as you may or may not know, the Leafs are playing exceptionally well right now, nine and one. 
in their last 10 uh, and, you know, kind of second, sitting in second in the Atlantic division behind, uh, behind Florida. So it's a, it's a good time. And it's, it's kind of sad to see Montreal and Ottawa, you know, tucked at the bottom of the division there and, you know, kind of barely scraping together 10 wins between them. Um, so that's a little bit sad to see for the Canadian teams, but I am a, I am a, I'm a happy Leafs fan right now. Um, and we're going to ride the wave as long as we, uh, as long as we can. I actually went to see the Nashville game a couple nights ago, which was a lot of fun. Um, oh, yeah, cool. it was, it was pretty cool. Cool. It's it man. It's when the Leafs are playing well. That's a a fun place to be. I tell you, it's going to Bank Arena, right? There's a lot of excitement, a lot of uh, a lot of activity and fun. Um, I forgot. Is that the one you were right behind the glass that we were? No, about? I've been spoiled enough to go to two games. Over oh. the last. yeah. I know. I'm a little decadent, but yeah, I know. You know what? I was uh, that game. I went to my son with with the Calgary game because he's a big yeah. Calgary fan, and we. Yes. I was rubbing it in his face at the Leafs won. I was, you know, doing the whole thing. Um, yeah, so I went to two games over the last week, which has been amazing. So I, I actually may be the good luck term for the Leafs, possibly. So perhaps I should be going to, to more games. There you go. That was one of the bets I lost, which we will get into. It uh, was. In you. Yes. On your side, on your side of the country, the Leafs are doing far better than any of the other teams out there. Well, on the West over here, uh, Vancouver is in big trouble. Lots of wow. grumpiness and complaining about what's going on over there. They lost. Did you hear? Did you hear the chants last night of Colorado? The, the fire? No, I didn't. So apparently, in the crowd, I was watching some sports this morning, and there were chants of fire bending. So yeah, that's it. the crowd is chanting to fire the GM, which I think is kind of hilarious. Not surprised? Not surprised at all because that team is just—they're going nowhere this year. But everybody else, uh, Winnipeg is up there. Edmonton is up there. Calgary is still doing fine on their road trip. Uh, that's where Guest is uh, coming up later in the show. Jack Michaels, the play-by-play uh, announcer for the Oilers. And I was all excited to have him on. I was like, oh, the Oilers are ripping it up. They're lighting it up. And then they played a stinker to the Jets the other night. <laughs> <laughs> they really did. But that's okay. There was the rematches tonight. Um, so Jack will be on to talk about the Oilers and a little bit about his career later on, but back to the Leafs and Flames and our bets last week. So yeah, yes. but I did win the other bets, our little bet between the Packers and the Seahawks. I said that Aaron Rodgers would have no problem coming back. I don't know if that, if he had no problem coming back, but he was definitely better than Russell Wilson. Seahawks got completely shut out. So I win that bet. So I guess we're even seeing after last week. So we draw after last week, right? It's a big, it's a push, as it were, in betting terminology. Um, yeah, that was a man. I watched a lot of that game. That that Russell Wilson, uh, sorry, the Green Bay, Seattle game. Expecting two relatively high powered offenses to come out and put up thirty points each. And I think the final score was like seventeen nothing or something like that, or fourteen nothing, or thirteen, whatever it was. Uh, so yeah, that was a real stinker. So I, I, I lost that one. And Russell Wilson looked that whole offense was just. I don't know. It just looked painful. Um, and I heard afterwards a lot of grumblings around, you know, Russell Wilson. Is he going to be in Seattle? Is he the answer long-term? Is he going to be in New Orleans next year? So there's already those kind of discussions, you know, flaring up. I think anytime you, through your agent, put out a list of places you would potentially go to if you got traded, but then say, I don't want to get traded, it's, it, it kind of puts the speculation out there that when things aren't going well, um, that, that rumor mill starts up again. So, uh, we'll see, but yeah, congratulations to you. Good, cho- good choice on the Packers. And, uh, I knew you. you were wrong about the, I knew you were wrong about the flame. So that was a, that was, that was an easy one. I thought. <laughs> well, 
I'm just glad we didn't go with the uh, the Chiefs and Raiders. Remember, we were discussing that game, and then you were like, you didn't want to have anything to do with it, which yeah. I'm happy you made that decision because I would have gone with the Raiders, and I would have lost that bet. So The Chiefs <laughs> kind of looked like the Chiefs of old, didn't they? A little bit, right? There was a little bit well, of a glimmer or two of the Chiefs of old. I don't know what this team is, which brings us to this week because this was the game I wanted to talk about was Chiefs and Cowboys. I think this is the game of the week, right? I would say, or one of them anyways, that that a lot of people are going to be paying attention to. The Chiefs, like I said, I don't know what this team is anymore. Um, Patrick Mahomes coming off probably his best outing of the season, five touchdown passes, no interceptions. All of a sudden he's lighting up. But I still feel like I want to put my money or put my lattes on Dallas this week. Really? Well, yeah. Dallas is coming off a beating, like an absolute thrashing of Atlanta, right? I mean, but it's Atlanta, right? I mean, that's, I, I think, you know, you might be able to field a team out there with your friends that are more competitive than the Atlanta Falcons because they're, they are just, man, they are painful to watch. Um, so there is a little bit of, you know, competitive bias, let's say. Uh, so you're taking the Cowboys. Yeah. So, so okay. I, I like this well, game. I think I agree with you. This is the game of the week. I think this is the most intriguing, you know, two quarterbacks who are playing exceptionally well, two offenses who seem to be catching their stride. Um, and it's a pretty tight line, right? So right now it's the chiefs at home are two and a half point favorites. Um, right. so it's, it's anything under three points is effectively, you know, it's, it's obviously the bookmakers taken is very close. So the, the bookmakers are thinking home field is a big advantage here, but generally these teams are pretty much, you know, evenly, evenly matched. Um, so I am going to give you either side of this. Who would you like, who would you take in the Cowboys versus the chief? Are you going to go, are you rolling with the boys? How about them Cowboys? I think so. I mean, I think, well, yes, I would. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback in my opinion. I just feel like I don't trust him still. And I think Dak might be playing better still at this point. So I know they're the underdogs, not by much. Obviously I said before, I was like going with the underdogs. I know they're on the road, but I just don't trust Casey. So yeah, I want to take Dallas. I will happily take the Chiefs in that game, I think. Uh, so let's do it. Yeah, so so what? No, no, hey, listen, no, I, I just mean that because, look, I think both teams are playing really well. Yeah. Uh, I, this this is a home field thing for me. I know Kansas City has always been kind of classified as the, one of the hardest places to play. Lots of crowd noise, full crowds, right? And, and if Kansas City can get anywhere near what their offense looked like, you know, if, if this is an indication, last week was an indication of, where the offense is going. Uh, and Mahomes, I don't know if you've seen any interviews with him over the last week or so, but he seems like remarkably, no, over the last couple of weeks, seems remarkably cool and re- remarkably just like chill about the, the troubles and the turnovers, the interceptions. I don't know. It's re- reminiscent of Aaron Rodgers a few years ago when he had that relaxed moment and he just said, just relax, we're going to be okay. So I think these guys are going to, I think they're going to catch their stride. Uh, I think that AFC is still wide, 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 wide open. Um, so I will take the Chiefs. Long uh, my, my 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 long answer to your short question is I will take the Chiefs um, for a, another pumpkin spice latte. What are we at now? Are we at four? Is that what we're we're sitting now, or is it three? I think you're three up on me, aren't you? I think you're three. Yeah, because you wanted you wanted two. Yeah, you wanted you wanted two recently. Okay, so we're at three right now, and uh, let's go. Let's go one of them for. Uh, and I will happily take the Chiefs in this one. Yeah, I feel if if the Chiefs win this one, then I would be like, okay, maybe they're for real and maybe they have turned this ship around. I just feel like they need one more like really convincing win against a really good team, which the Cowboys are. And then I'll be Absolutely. convinced. But right now, I'm not there yet. So Yeah, I think your opinion is shared by a lot, to be honest, because the, the Chiefs opened up as a bigger favorite and it's gone down right. to two and a half. So people are sharing your opinion uh, that 
Dallas may be the smarter money here. Um, so, I mean, depends on how much you value the public's opinion, but regardless, there seems to be some money coming in on, uh, on, uh, on, on Dallas in this game. So we'll, uh, so we'll see. Okay. I'm feeling good. Good stuff. Can we shout out Robbie Ray for one second, please as well? Mr. Sure. Mr. Mr. AL Cy Young from the Blue Jays. I think he's the fourth Blue Jay ever to, uh, to get that award. And ah, man, what a great season he had. And I was so excited. I know that he had some stiff competition with Gary Cole and, uh, but, uh, what an amazing accomplishment that is for, for him, especially coming from where he was, you know, a year or two ago where he wasn't necessarily having kind of the best time of it. And he's turned it around so well. So I'm very, very, very happy. I'm a little scared about free agency for the Blue Jays because I think there's some big price tags out there and some key players that we're, we may not have next year. Uh, but big shout out to Robbie Ray for that uh, for that Cy Young Award. Yeah, I was watching his interview this morning on uh, on TV and he just... Uh, just seems so happy to, to get it. He was talking about the chemistry on the Jays this yeah. year. And man, just, yeah, what a surprise that he got. Like, it's just an outstanding accomplishment, too, for it. Like you said, just the fourth player on Toronto ever. So, um, do you think there's any chance that Vlad can win MVP? Do you think there's any chance that Shohei does not win MVP? I mean, in my opinion, Shohei should win it because he's changing the game effectively. But Vlad had such an amazing offensive year that, you know, it's uh, is there any remote chance that uh, that Vlad actually does pull this off? I don't think so. I think no, I don't think so. Baseball is so stick to tradition sort of. It, it would it, do you know what I'm trying to, I'm not explaining it well, but I just feel like for him to win all these, um, the voters would have to go off the wall a little bit and I don't think they would do that ever. So I don't think he'll he'll win. I agree. I completely agree. I, I would love to see it. It would be it would be nice to have both of those guys coming from the Jays, but uh, I'm also of the opinion that Shohei is a pretty remarkable. Like the, the story is remarkable. Any other year, Vlad would be the guaranteed winner, right? Because of his his offensive uh, his offensive stats. But the fact that <laughs> what Shohei has done to this game over the last little bit is still it's mind boggling. It's like when like I mentioned before, like when Russell Wilson started averaging triple doubles, you know, every night it was like nothing. That was such an amazing thing. I think this is a similar type of. Uh, type of moment for for baseball where it's kind of you know changing the expectation almost a little bit which is sure. which is kind of cool kind of cool to see evolution i agree with you about baseball being stuck in the mud a little bit. i think it's the one major league of the the big four north american sports that has seemed to stay rooted in this you know and it's kind of in the old school a little bit and they don't want to have yeah. players celebrating and they don't want to there's all this there's this old tradition and stuff and i think I, and i think to be honest it needs to change in order for that game to continue to grow with the pace of the NBA or you know, even like soccer, even MLS soccer, um, getting a lot more popularity because it's a fun experience. Uh, and I think baseball does a lot to quell that, you know, kind of that fun yep. experience. But we'll see. No bat flips allows. Nothing. Uh, no bat flips, no stare down, you know, none of that stuff. But some of that stuff is fun. I know actually baseball had a campaign last year. Uh, and it was called Let Them Play. Let the kids play. And it was all around this idea of having a little bit more fun and bad flips and a little bit of, you know, a little bit of taunting isn't, isn't the worst thing in the world. But that uh, that got quelled pretty quickly. I, know. I, I didn't see it much after the first couple of weeks of the season. And then it, it kind yeah. of went away. Well, we will see uh, what transpires with Laddie. I mean, I was going to say, I think it's amazing that all these Jays are even in the conversation for these awards, um, right? Because it never, it, was, it hasn't been like that for a few years. And I guess baby steps as this team tries to build towards, uh, you know, getting back to the playoffs and the World Series and all those things. Absolutely. So slow and steady. Slow and exciting steady. times, exciting times. Yeah. Okay, you have to take off, unfortunately, uh, but I'm going to talk to Mr. Jack Michaels about Oilers and hockey and all the other things. 
And uh, for once, Al, I am staying home this weekend. I am going nowhere, and I'm actually going nice. to sit on the couch and watch the football game that we talked about. So, um, yeah, awesome. So you're going to get a chance to, to to and so okay. Are you uh, uh are you like a, a binge watcher? Are you one of those people who will sit on Saturday and kind of watch a full season of something, or are you? Is that is that your is that your is that your vibe? Is that is that is that what a weekend at home means for you, or is it is is that more about that no, kind of thing? no no okay? I'll mix it up for sure. I'll mix it up for sure. But I'll but I will allow for a window for that afternoon for sure to watch some football, which I just haven't been able to lately. But this weekend, I'm so excited to just stay home. So I'm looking forward to awesome. it. Good stuff. Enjoy enjoy yourself. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your chat this afternoon. Thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right, everybody. Welcome to part two of the podcast. I'm very pleased to introduce our guest, the Edmonton Oilers play-by-play announcer, Jack Michaels. Jack, welcome to the pod. How's it going? How's the grind? Uh, You know what? After what we've been through the last 19 months, and I've never really called it the grind because, as you know, we really don't work for a living. Um, but yeah, it doesn't feel as much of a grind. I did have a little FOMO going last week, as you may or may not know, not everyone travels and not everyone travels to all of the games. So the last road trip, we were home and I, you know, I was doing it from a studio in, uh, you know, off a of gateway in Edmonton and that like, I'm not a FOMO guy, but I was totally like feeling very jealous of everyone else who was on the trip and, uh, there were a couple of really good games. So it's, you know, as as you know, I, I didn't get into this gig to do studio work. I I, I got there to do live events. And, and uh, it's so nice being back in the buildings with real fans again. I can't wait to talk about the Oilers, the current team, and get some of your impressions on how this team is going. But I want to back it up a little bit and just talk about your career first and how um, or when you realized you wanted to become a play-by-play announcer. Was it something that came to you really obviously as a kid? Yeah, I think through one athletic failure after another. I, I think uh, most of us broadcasters would tell you there was a moment in time where they realized, uh, you know, a full-time career in athletics uh, is probably not in the cards. And much like George Costanza, I've always been a guy where if it isn't about sports, I have trouble concentrating. So, uh, you know, I wanted to stay in sports. I wanted to work in sports. And I knew uh, as an athlete was not going to be an option for me. So having uh, my dad as an English professor for 40 years probably assisted me in some, you know, vocabulary type deals that, uh, you know, helped me push, push me along in my career. And, you know, I went to a university in upstate New York at a place called Ithaca College, not the Ithaca of road trip fame, but an actual college called Ithaca College. Uh, and I got a uh, radio sports cast. My first, uh, first, you know, first week uh, freshman year. You guys would say first year. And you know, I, I've kind of done it ever since. I was doing play-by-play for football and basketball and baseball, but then also, you know, other sports like field hockey and lacrosse and soccer. I remember shivering in a game in November. Not much, you know, not much different than the ice deck of the other night at Commonwealth, but. Uh, you know, that kind of set me on my path. And then you talk about a grind, uh, 11 years in the minors and nearly a thousand games, uh, you know, put me in position to get into position. And then I just got lucky here. So where did your love of hockey come from? You know, it, it didn't come by easily. I wasn't really into hockey that much. And then when, you know, well, 
we're, we're roughly the same age. When we were little kids, you know, all of a sudden Pittsburgh drafts Lemieux and the Steelers kind of went in the tank and the Pirates weren't very good. And all of a sudden the Penguins got really good and they, and they had some, they had some great players. Uh, you and I both know Rob Brown. You know, he was a rock star back then. I mean, he owned the city of Pittsburgh back then. And they just had a lot of exciting players, uh, you know, and, and you know, I got swept up in it. And uh, it, it, it kind of, like, changed how I viewed sports. And the hockey all of a sudden became a very, like, close second to – football for me and you know in terms of broadcasting I, I really never did much of it uh and I got out of college I had done a little club hockey and a little Cornell hockey but when I was when I was at Ithaca Cornell which is right across the road it's kind of uh Ithaca New York is this valley and then the two colleges Ithaca and Cornell are up on hills and Cornell was in the midst of the worst four-year run in the history of the program. I remember they had Ken Dryden there, and they were celebrating the 25th anniversary team that went unbeaten and won the NCAAs, and they got beat 9-1 by Harvard, right in front of all those guys. They just got drilled. Uh, so I didn't really, you know, I didn't, I didn't even do much hockey. And then when I got out of college and crawled back to my hometown, making four twenty-five an hour, doing a classic rock morning show and high school football at night, uh, I started doing a little high school hockey. And what happened was, is you know, luckily I was in you know Western PA, and obviously Philadelphia is the other side. And so the team, the high school team that I did the games for, was good, and they played a what. You know, it was called the Western Final, and then the Eastern Final would be between Philly teams. Well, they played the Western Final at 2 o'clock, and the Penguins were playing at 7 in the old igloo. And the game went double or triple overtime. When I finished, I looked behind me, and Mike Lang, uh, the Hall of Famer, and Matt McConnell, who still does games in the NHL for the Arizona Coyotes, were sitting behind me. And, uh, you know, I was packing up my gear, you know, wanting to obviously get out of their way as soon as possible. I was 21 years old and kind of like, oh, geez, I'm probably in these guys way. And they started asking me questions. And, you know, I, I obviously started pumping up my football and basketball. They're like, yeah, you should forget about that. We heard you do a good job. Not many people could call hockey games. You should forget the other stuff. Oh. And uh, three months later, I got a job in Colorado Springs for a minor league team. And off we go. And here you are. So hockey was not your first love, um, like you just described. That I can't stop- skate a lick, Natasha. <laughs> really? To this day, I cannot skate. Oh, dear. I can ski, but I cannot skate. You mean my first know? date, my first date in sixth grade uh, was with a girl named Leslie Dragosavic, <laughs> and she asked me to go ice skate. And I said, yeah. And I, I remember telling my dad about it. He's like, how the hell are you going to pull that out? You don't know how to ice skate. And it, it never occurred to me. And so I kind of bluffed my way through that first date. And then that was it. Oh, yeah. What about like, don't the Oilers have Christmas parties anymore where they bring out all the kids on the ice and you all wheel around for a couple hours? Haven't you I usually yet? ask to use the washroom and disappear oh. and then make small talk and chat with other people. And oh, yeah, no, it's it's shameful. It's an embarrassment. One of several on my resume. <laughs> like we need to do like a little video series teach jack how to skate oh i think i'm beyond hope i that that would be you talk about an ultimate project remember the uh golf show when hank haney tried to work with charles barkley i think 
That would be- yeah, you, you'd have a major project on your hands. Okay, well, it's a good thing that you are good at uh, play-by-play then. I guess the skating is irrelevant. When it we all have play. one skill. It's the only thing I do sure. well, Natasha. Fair enough. So what was your mindset? Did you have this kind of confidence when you see the Oilers play-by-play job open up? Rod Phillips- Not a chance. 37 oh, years, right? He's a huge legend. Everyone was like, oh my God, who are they going to get to fill to Rod, just to fill Rod's shoes? And I was working at CTV Edmonton at the time. I was, I don't know if you remember meeting me at the rink when they hired you. And it was like, oh my God, who is this guy? First of all, you're an American. <laughs> Who's this American? Right. Who's coming to get this Where, job? From Alaska. Where That's did they right. get this guy? Why exactly. did they get this guy? How did they come up with this guy? And it makes no, so much sense I, though, because it was, it was kind of outside the box, right? And it's worked out wonderfully. It, it it really has. And my kids have grown up here and, and everything's worked out for the best. But it's funny, Natasha, certainly when I was a kid, I felt the same way. Like when I when I got into hockey and the Penguins were doing well, then I started watching, you know, the ESPN playoff doubleheaders. And so the Penguins or somebody, the Flyers would be playing the Capitals in game one. And then, you know, when I'm a kid, right, lobbying for extra time awake, they kick it out for game two. And I'd, I'd sell my parents on, oh, I'm a big, you know. And at the time, the Oilers were beating the Bruins and the Flyers. So when you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, who are the two teams you hate the most? Yeah. The Flyers and the Bruins, especially at that time. I think the Penguins played the Bruins in two conference finals. And, of course, Pittsburgh Philly, as you know, is like Edmonton Calgary. I mean, they hate each other. And I still have nothing nice. The Flyers are a team that I legitimately root to go 0-82 every year. I, I really hate that team. <laughs> anyway, uh, so when they would kick to that game, I mean, I, I remember watching and really enjoying it. But also thinking, like, where is this place? Is this in V? Get Man as well have been on Neptune. I mean, when you grew up in that part of, and you've just lived in Toronto for the last 10 years. So you know what I'm talking about. Anything west of Cleveland may as well be on Saturn. Like, I just, I couldn't even envision it. So when it, it's funny, when it came open, and I, I did, I retained some loyalty to the Oilers. They were always my second favorite team because, like I said, I rooted for them because I just didn't want Boston or Philly to win the Cup. And, you know, I, I got into it. And then, of course, when I got older, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be something if Edmonton and Pittsburgh ever played in the final? Uh, they, they came close. I don't know how, to this day, the Oilers lost to a 27-win Minnesota North Stars team. I mean, that is incomprehensible to me. But having said that, that was always my dream Stanley Cup final because I figured I couldn't lose. So when it came open, I was like, well, there's no way I'm applying. Like, I'm an American. There's no chance. You know, I'm sure there's seven zillion guys lined up in Canada. Uh, We were actually going on vacation. The airport in Anchorage, Alaska was 15 minutes from my house. I was halfway to the airport. And I swear, this is weird. And, and, uh, you can ask my wife and two kids, I just suddenly U-turn race back to the house in block letters printed Alan Watts name on a manila envelope and dumped game seven of that previous spring's ECHL final in on a DVD. Like I didn't do anything. I printed out my resume. I signed a cover letter and I made sure as it turned out, I didn't eliminate myself like about 20 other people spelled Alan Watts name, right? 
yeah, and sent it out, and and just and then we went on vacation. I didn't think about it. I just I don't know why I did it. Uh, to this day, I don't know. And we, you know, we almost missed our flight. I'm getting yelled at, whatever. And um, and then like a month later, I had not thought about it one time. A month later, I get a call, and they're like, "Hey, uh, we're thinking about uh, setting up a conference call." And I said, all right, great. You know, here's my number up. You know, is this a good number? Well, yeah, you call me on it. So yeah, sure. Call me whenever. Then another week goes by. And I, again, I was like, again, Natasha, you've been there. You, you, you know, the writings on the wall, obviously they're not interested. They decided they found someone else. Then they call a week later and they're like, uh, you know what? We're going to skip the conference call. We're going to fly in. And then I'm like, Oh, this now I'm, I'm getting close. And I'd been close before. I'd been close at a few other NHL spots. But now, like, all right, this is serious. This Canadian team's going to fly me in. And then I didn't hear anything for another couple days. And at the time, my son was, like, four, and he was, you know, just like anyone, like, having trouble sleeping, whatever. So I'm sitting there with him at 6 in the morning, and, you know, he's asking for dad. So I go in, and I curl up next to him because I'm not a morning person. All of a sudden, my phone goes off. And there's my itinerary. I'm leaving in an hour and a half. They hadn't told me anything. Just boom, flight. So I, you know, jumped up, packed a bag, like raced the airport. Luckily, I used to do the travel for the hockey team. So it was like a movie. I flipped the keys to the guy working the bell desk and said, just move my car wherever you need to and made the flight. And then same thing. It did the interview, thought I killed it, like we all do, right, Natasha? We've all I, – I can't remember a job I've walked out thinking, oh, I did lousy. I'm never going to get it. Like, I always think, oh, there's no – how can they – I'm again, like I'm Jerry's mother. How can anyone not like me? You know, I thought I, I, thought I killed it. Nothing for eight days. I send, I send on Friday. We're leaving for another vacation. This time we're going to Hawaii. And on Friday, we're, we're taking a Friday night red eye, I think, to Hawaii. And Friday afternoon, I sent one of those pathetic emails. Hey, Alan, uh, just checking in. I'm not, you know, desperate or anything. Like, you know, it was like I made up some stupid, oh, I'm going on a trip. But, yeah, you can still call me on a cell phone. Like, you didn't know that. Like, it was just a pathetic, right. you know, please pay attention to me email. No response. So I get on the plane and I'm... Uh, my lip is up here. I'm all sad and pouty and just miserable. And uh, I remember halfway through the flight, my wife looked at me and said, uh, hey, you better pick it up. Like, we got 10 days here. Like, you're not dragging your sorry ass around like this. And uh, so we get up the next day and I was like, you're right. Let's just go down and, and start pounding drinks. So we go down 10 a.m. We're in Maui. Uh, having a few drinks and I get a call at 11 o'clock and it's the Oilers and they say, hold on, we're going to get someone else on the phone. I was like, this better be good news. Cause if you're getting someone else on the phone to see my deflated uh, and you know, then I got the job and then I got, got off the phone and bought everyone drinks at the pool. And you know, it, it was, it was awesome, but yeah, it, I got this job in the weirdest fashion possible. You're probably going to have to edit this for time, but it is a bizarre tale. It is a great story. I mean, they say everything happens for a reason. So there you go, right? Through the tape in and look what happens. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can't win the lottery if you don't play. And that's actually what rung through my mind. And I can't remember who told me that, but uh, 
that is probably the reason I went back and, and threw that together. And again, thank God I spelled Alan's name right. Yep, absolutely. That's key right there. Um, so what was the, were there growing pains for you jumping up to the NHL level or was it pretty similar? No, nothing about the league, you know, hockey's hockey. I think, um, I think we had already gone through a massive adjustment when we moved to Alaska. So moving to Canada was not a big deal other than some of the little logistic things where you have like no credit and stuff like that. It's kind of weird. (laughs) Like you're telling the American express people, just click that little flag in the country and you'll see, like I spent 30 grand last year. Like all you have to do is just hit whatever. But outside of that, no, it was, it was good. I mean, I, you know, the, for one thing, I like living here. I like the people here. I like the fact that Edmontonians are proud of being from Edmonton. Most of the people who live in this city, you know, grew up here. And, and I like, I like living in a town where, you know, there's no, there's no pretense about it. And if you're going to complain about the weather, stuff like that, they can show you where the airport is. Like I, and I'm totally down with that. I like that. I like that vibe. The industry is very similar to what I was used to in Alaska, obviously oil and gas. So there was a lot of familiarity here. Um, and, you know, you just fall into a routine and do what you do. Probably, again, similar to when, you know, you got the gig at TSN. It's, it's you know, if you're you, there's an old proverb out of the southeastern United States uh, that says, when you're invited to the biggest party of the year, you dance with who brung you. And I've always interpreted that to mean, hey, I'm not trying to be Rod Phillips. I'm not trying to be some, you know, die in the wool Canadian who's lived here all because that's not me. That's not people are going to figure that out. So let's not pretend. Let's let's do the things that got me here. And over time, people at the very least will learn to tolerate me. And that's what's happened. Right. I always say to people, the faster you can figure out who you are and just get better at being yourself on the air, the better off you'll be. To me, that's always the trick is just get good at being who you are, figure it out and then just be you. And then you'll be successful. So that's a much better way of saying much more (laughs) lucid, much more intelligent way of saying it. Yes. If I can steal that from you the next time I'm asked that question, that's what I'll do. For sure. Absolutely. It's yours. Okay, so here we are now. You've been covering this team, what, 11 years now, I think? Almost 11 12. Years. 12 years? Okay, you yes. are uh, watching literally the best, some of the best players in the world, night in and night out. Tell me about Connor McDavid. Do you remember calling uh, his first game? Yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, I, he's, I, I remember calling his first game. I remember the first goal he scored. Uh, where I think it was Benoit Pouliot right in front of him, also left-handed shot, wearing 67, not 97. And I said McDavid tipped it in, and I was thinking, boy, I hope I got that right because I don't want to screw up his first goal. And I I did. but I, So, I mean, I, yeah, I, Connor McDavid is uh, – and then as time goes along, Natasha, you have to remind yourself that other people are going to be as excited – as you were those first 40 games, those first 80 games, those first 120, because they're seeing them in person for the first time. And, and even some of my colleagues are like, I can't believe this guy. And you almost get callous to it. You almost get hardened to it where, oh, he makes an unreal play. And you're kind of like, yeah, I mean, I've seen that a million times in practice and probably a hundred thousand times in a game. Like, Mm -hmm. so you almost take, you know, his supernatural ability 
uh, for granted. And so I, I'm constantly reminding myself of, you know, and it's, it's more like the league too, is um, I, I think one of the benefits of, of coming from where I did is remembering that your worst night or your most dull night, uh, let's say a Tuesday night, two nothing lost to Minnesota in December. That worst night or most dull night in the National Hockey League is a thousand times better than your best night before you're in the National Hockey League. And that's how I feel about Connor McDavid. Like, you know, you got to remember that this guy is otherworldly. And even if what he's doing seems routine to me, it's still amazing to so many other people. And you've still got to be able to convey that on a regular basis. And then sometimes he just slams it in your face as a reminder, like he did against the Rangers. You know, if there was any doubt that he could pull off a play that no one else in the world could even touch or even fathom or even attempt, you know, that's a play. And he'll do that two or three times a year. Just to keep you honest, you saw it, I believe, in person uh, a couple years ago at the expense of Morgan Wright. Sure did. I was at that game. Yeah. Yeah. Real goal. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And watching him, like you said, watching him live, it is not the same as watching it on TV. Obviously on TV, it's fantastic, but live, there's just something else. You see that moment where he, where he realizes he has that extra little bit of room and he doesn't need much. Right. And then he's just gone. And it just, that moment in time is just spectacular to see. Yeah. And, and, and then you, then you're reminded that he's making one of the world's best defensemen look like an average schmuck, just, you know, sitting by the side of the road. I mean, and he does that to he does that to the world's best players. So I mean, it's just it's incredible. And uh, I agree with you. I mean, hockey. I'll say this: hockey is one of those sports where, you know, I think football is a TV sport. I I, I find myself often glad I'm watching it on television instead of uh, in the in the stadium. Uh, but hockey is one of those where I feel like it's still, and they've made some tremendous improvements. But uh, hockey is best experience live. It really is. Yeah, it's awesome. I agree. So I was going to ask you, but I feel like you just kind of answered it. What is the most challenging thing about calling um, Connor McDavid every single night? But it sounds like trying to keep it fresh might be the most difficult thing, even though even though he's the best player in the world, it's the same challenges as with anybody. I think I think more so than even keeping it fresh is keeping yourself sharp on any one shift. It is never the time to branch off into a story or talk about anything other than what's going on the ice with him around the puck. Because as soon as you drift, as soon as you lose concentration for a half second, you're behind the play. Yeah. And when you're behind the play with Connor McDavid, as any person in the NHL will tell you, you, you ain't catching up. So yeah. I find he keeps me sharp as a commentator because I need to concentrate whenever he is thinking about going over the boards on the actual ice, even when he's drifting off and it looks like he might change. You better make sure he's off before you go off on some spiral tangent. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause he's so fast. Like you say one second and then you're behind. The and, he, and he turns something and he turns nothing. Yeah, I mean, something. nothing into something. And, and that's the thing about hockey is, as you know, you know, you've done highlights for, for, for decades now. There are a handful of goals that every commentator has where, oh, it's in. You know, it's off a face-off or whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Nowhere is that more true with McDavid. Puck could be at center ice. He could have five guys around him. And the next thing you know, he's on a breakaway. So just shut up and call the play. Yeah. Do you have a lot of like expressions or phrases prepared ahead of time? None. Nothing. No, that's why I like, I mean, to be honest with you, Natasha, I could never do what you did so well for so many years because I don't have the ability. I At least I don't think I do. I don't have the ability to take, you know, words that I've prepared or, or even if it's my words in a script that I've written, and I know you've done a ton of writing in your career and it's the backbone of what makes you so good as a professional, but I don't have the ability to make that sound genuine if I've written it and then read it. It's why when I, when I'm an MC, I, like people say, well, you're not prepared. I can't, I don't think it sounds right mm-hmm. when I'm prepared. I, that's why I never wanted to do studio work. I think, I think that I sound the best when it's all off the cuff, when I don't, when there is no script, when I don't know what the outcome is, uh, and and I feel that I work the best in that environment. I, and that's, I mean, that I'm not taking anything away from anyone who does great studio work. It's just, I don't think I pull it off, and 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 so many people do pull it off. I I don't think I have that ability. I think. I'm best when I don't know what's coming. Yep. That makes a lot of sense too. I, I'm just thinking back to anchoring when those few times when the script doesn't come in on time or they add in a goal and you haven't seen it before. And it's like, okay, ad lib go. And we're forced to do what you do and just watch that one goal for that one moment in time. And it's like, oh my God. Okay. Now I have to be a play-by-play person and just make, and the rush that comes with that is crazy so i yeah. like it's a little excited. exciting isn't oh it? my god yeah, yeah i do it for like 15 seconds for maybe one goal but you're doing that all night like that's yeah. wild and see i feel the same way about like you i i never understood how you could for 300 nights a year write lucidly and intelligently and make it interesting without like you know, leaning on certain phrases or certain, you know, quite frankly, I would be lazy about it. I know that because, you know, when I, when I used to write term papers, I, you know, I would catch myself using the same verbiage. Like I just, I, I couldn't do it. And, I, and that's why I think, uh, you know, on the flip side, you guys do a great job of, of just somehow coming up with uh, the right words and the right phrase to make your uh, very ordinary hi- highlights sound intelligent and descriptive uh because yeah i couldn't do it well you're being very complimentary i appreciate that um let's uh let let me ask you are there any calls you wish you had back oh gosh i mean you know i make so many mistakes every game i i mean i i don't even know where to begin um i uh i mean geez I, i like in terms of I can't think of like, uh, you know, a call on a play that the average person would remember that I want back. But I also, you know, I think that, you know, to get it caught up in how you call it, because usually, you know, these calls are a product of unbelievable athletic achievement, right? And I don't like to get caught up in it because maybe it, maybe I'm thinking like, I don't want to perfect it. Like you, you were saying, I don't want to have any sort of prepared thing in my head. Um, the other night when, when Connor McDavid, I'll give you an example. When, when Connor McDavid scored against the Rangers, um, 
as he was finishing that goal, it occurred to me, you know what? Nothing you're going to say is going to augment what just happened. So just shut up. Yeah. And I didn't say anything for 16 seconds. And now that I think about it, I'm like, I'm happy I did. And then I, I think I said, what can, what can you say? Or I, I, yeah, I think I said, what can you say? Cause I honestly, both logically and then actually, even if I was trying to formulate it, what would I have said? Like what, what would I have done that would have furthered what he did? Mm-hmm. Nothing. I could have only screwed it up. <laughs> so just get out of the way, let the play speak for itself. And then, yeah. I, I kind of like Louie and I looked at each other and I could tell he was waiting for me to say something. I was like, what can you, I mean, I did. I, what can you say? There's nothing I could let the analyst take it from there. Cause he's the only one who could break that down logically. Cause I'm just going to be sitting there like, uh, you know, what, 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 I'm speechless. I couldn't even imagine a play like that. So I guess, yeah, I, I don't really think about calls or, you know, things I'd like to have back or things I wish I would have said or things that I'd like to say in the future, just because then it becomes a little bit more about me. Right. And I've always looked at a game like I'm a, I'm a regular, I'm just steering, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm steering at most and not even aggressively steering, just kind of, kind of guiding. And um, I, you know, again, not to be, critical of certain people but i think if you start taking over the game as an announcer you might be getting in the way of the event and that's just not my thing yep there's something to be said for letting the moment breathe right even though i'm loud and obnoxious i mean i i recognize that like i'm i'm i've got a little bite to my style that isn't for everyone but believe it or not that's just you know that's just natural that's not that's not shtick yeah i mean that's Ask my son, who I, you know, has the misfortune of watching me coach baseball. Like, I don't change. I'm just as obnoxious on the baseball field as I am calling a game. Amazing. I love it. So do you have a favorite moment um, so far with uh, during your tenure? with you? Yeah, you know, and I don't know whether you would have been in town for this. You were probably working because that's probably ratings, high ratings. So you, you would not have been in town. But the end of game six of Edmonton Anaheim. So the second round, not, not even the day or day overtime winter, which was great in game four. Uh, and that was also at Rogers place, but the end of game six, Natasha with about a minute to go, it got so loud. It was seven to one. So it wasn't a close game. Had nothing to do with how I was calling the game, but it got so loud with about a minute to go. Cause everyone knew it was going seven, obviously with the score seven to one. It got so loud in there, like my ears with the headset on were hurting. And I did not say anything for the last 30 seconds of that game. I said, I'll just let the crowd, you can't hear me anyway, so I'll just let the crowd take it from here. And that's what I did. And I I just remember, I, I, the only thing I can think of is it must have, it must sound like that to a baby bee inside a hive. That's how loud it was. It was it was oppressive. It was unbelievably loud in that building. And you couldn't, I mean, it was hurting. It was, it was like a migraine coming on. It was that loud. 
And I just thought that was super cool. And of course, as you know, that time of year, the game, you probably remember the games were starting 8.45 Edmonton time. I mean, that was ridiculous starting times. But at that time of year, as you know, you walk out and it's daylight at 11.15 and people were just going crazy. So the combination of how loud it was in the building and then coming outside the building and seeing how happy people were, it was it was a lot of fun. That's what I remember is is that game six win and what a continuous party that was. Was that the same series where Brett Kissel's mic went out and the crowd had to sing the anthem? Because I was at that game. Do you remember that game? That was against Anaheim. Yeah, was that Anaheim or San Jose? I can't remember. I thought it was, it was Anaheim, but I can't. You're, you're probably right. That would have probably been game one or two. Yes. If I heard. Or no, game three, three or four, because Anaheim yeah. had home ice. I think so it was game it was, three. Yeah, yeah. And and that was also, a, that's, you know, that's another reason why I just love Edmonton, is whether it's an arena or a city or you run into, I find that Edmonton and Edmontonians have the right thing to say at exactly the right time and also react the right way at the right time. Um, and, and just them picking up, you know, 18,000 people pick it up. All right, here's what's happening. Here's what we're going to do. That's just Edmonton in a nutshell. That's what I love about the city. There's a subtle intelligence here, uh, that has very little to do with anything else, but they, they just pick up on things. There's, they're, um, you know, they're, they are who they are. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. they know who they are. They're proud of it. And, and they have an ability to pick up on things in not in necessarily a refined way, but they've got street smarts. And that was a perfect example. It's a really good thing you bring up. That That's that's another reason I love Edmonton. Those first few seconds when I realized that, oh, my God, we are going yeah. to have to sing the American anthem. I was like, yeah. I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. And then and Brett was a pro, did. too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Brett and I met in a yoga studio my first year here. He was, I think, 18. Oh, and he geez, came yeah. up and he goes, hey, man, you're doing a great job. I'm a big fan. And um, I'm kind of like, I, I'm not a huge fan of people talking to me in locker rooms or urinals and stuff. Not a huge fan of that. But <laughs> I, this guy was so genuine and so friendly. I ended up chatting with him. And then he was my neighbor for four years. We've actually remained in touch. But I'll tell you what, that, there's a there's another uh, Canadian Albertan talent boy. He he is uh, some kind of performer. And that was another example of him, you know, reacting on the fly, getting the crowd involved. What a great night. That's yeah. a good memory, Natasha. That, full marks for that. That's a great night. It was, yeah, it was awesome. And actually, I mean, David scored on a power play to that game. You probably won't remember, but it was one of those unreal moves that I was like, I can't believe I just saw that with my eyes. But we could talk about his moves all, all day. I have two more questions for you, and then I will let you go because I know it's game day, and I appreciate you being here. Um, you made the jump from radio to TV this year. Yes. Right? Well, Couple years. That? Yeah. Yeah. How's that been? Yeah. So, so, you know, it's, it's obviously a lot more fun this year with fans in the building. Yes. Um, you know, and as we were talking about the very top there, I, I'm not on all the road trips. I'm on some, uh, so it's, I, I still have the awkwardness of, of calling a handful of games off a monitor. But, you know, we're getting closer to, you know, maybe a return to some semblance of normalcy. But, you know, for me, the switch is just, you know, leave the, leave a lot of the description at home, right? You know, uh, people can see it. 
and there was definitely an adjustment there and I've, I've tried to make it, I'm still probably, uh, you know, more verbose than the average TV guy. I don't know. I, again, I don't, you know, people say, well, do you pattern? No, I, I don't really pattern myself after, after anything. I didn't really, you know, study how TV guys did it as opposed to radio people. I, you know, I watch sports on TV. I mean, so that, that, I guess that's the extent of my studying. So again, I've just tried to do the best I can. Uh, Louis DeBrusque, uh, as you may or may not know, I mean, he and I have been pals for years. So it's, it's obviously easy when you, you know, when you like the person you work with, when you have a history with the person you work with. And so that's, you know, he's been great that way in terms of he's a pro and he's a friend of mine. So he's made it real easy for me. Awesome. Okay. Do you think this team is better than last year? I think, you know, the depth is a, a little better. I don't know whether it's, I don't, I, the jury's still out on, on how much better it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little better. Um, but the biggest thing is, is, you know, all these top players are, are better. I mean, your, your core is still getting better. Your core is still very much in the midst of, or still hitting the upper reaches of their prime. Like, I'm not sure that McDavid and Drysaddle still might have another year or two where they might get a little bit better. Like, so all those, so when you're talking about world-class talent, Darnell Nurse, another guy, like, you're talking about all this world-class talent also getting a little bit better. That means they're that much better than the rest of the field. So I, I do think the others are better. The other thing, Natasha, is I think they're better relative to the field. The West is not what it was mm-hmm. when you were working at City TV and when I first came out here. There, you know, think of uh, there's no there's no Jumbo Joe Thornton and uh, you know Andre Kopitar is still playing, but you know a lot of those guys are no longer here. There's no Ryan Kessler. There's no Sabines. There's no all that power has shifted. I think out east. Yes. And quite frankly, the Western Conference for me is wide open. I don't think there's a favorite. I mean, yeah, you could say, all right, Colorado's supposed to be the favorite. They're seven, five, and one. I mean, they haven't exactly exploded out of the gates. The problem with Colorado is, you know, part of the reason McDavid and Dreisaitl are so good is knock on wood, you know, they don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Like Crosby's out of the lineup a lot, Malkin's out of the lineup a lot. McKinnon's out of the lineup. Randon is out of the lineup. Landeskog gets hurt. Part of being great is always being there. I, I think that's why, you know, when people start projecting, well, Mario would have done this. And this is from a Pittsburgh guy. So it's somewhat painful to admit. Well, he wasn't there. That's why he didn't break Gretzky's records. Like part of what made Wayne great was him being great all the time and not getting hurt. You know, and so I think that's what's going to hold some teams back. I think Vegas, you talk about, you know, a a classic trade of two guys with real questions. I don't think Vegas would have made that trade two or three years ago, but then Alex Tuck just kept getting hurt. Like, you know, a lot of people were talking about him being captain. A lot of people were talking about Vegas as the prohibitive favorite out West. Well, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury isn't there, the Vesna winner. You know, let's ask Robin Leonard how that went for Matt Murray once Fleury was gone. Like, I don't have any confidence that Robin Leonard is going to instantly be the number one guy that you could play for 60 games and then be awesome in the playoffs. What proof do I have of that? None. And I mean, Matt Murray did it, but flower was there. 
as soon as Flurry was gone, Matt Murray couldn't do it anymore, like instantly. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, and then the depth down the middle for Vegas, like when you talk about questions down the middle and questions in goal, that's the guts of your hockey team. You know, Chandler Stevenson is a great player, but he, he can't play first line center, not in the playoffs. Sorry. That, so then you're going to need Eichel to be healthy. And they're going to need Eichel to fit in perfectly and be the player he was before he got hurt. If that happens and Leonard plays well, then maybe they're a slight favorite above the rest of the teams. But right now, I throw Colorado, Winnipeg, St. Louis, Vegas, Edmonton in a bushel. And I think any of those five have a legitimate shot to run the table. Yep, agrees. Colorado has been average so far, meh. right? Yeah. Just kind of meh, which yeah. I'm sure they'll pick it up. But yeah, they've been right. a little bit. Exactly. Meh is the perfect word to use. Yeah. They're just whatever. Like, right. you know, and again, I just, I, I think the West is so wide open that um, I think Edmonton has a very, I think Edmonton has a very good chance. I For a couple of years there, including, you know, including the year they, they lost Anaheim. I don't think they were beating Nashville because they lost nine in a row to Nashville. I, I Nashville had their number at the time. Yeah. The last couple of years, had they been in the playoffs, I think they would have, they didn't match up well with Vegas. Now I think they match up better with Vegas. They've always been kind of even with Colorado. Uh, tonight will be interesting. Um, and I don't want to be too, uh, you know, time sensitive, but I think Winnipeg's got a good team as well. And I think there are members of the Jets right now who won't admit it, but they think they've figured something out. So we'll see. I agree. Winnipeg is right up there. I uh, I think the last couple of years, they, they've they been really good. I'm kind of just waiting for them to get over the hump a little bit. I guess with all these Western teams, right? They're all kind of on the cusp a little bit. All those ones. Correct. That Correct. Vegas see, has so. lost two conference finals yeah. in a row to teams they should have beaten. Yeah. Sorry. If Vegas is as good as everyone says they are, then you should be able to beat Montreal and you should be able to beat Dallas. And they didn't beat either of them. Yeah. So, and they didn't really come close to beating either of them either. So, you know, again, I've got some questions in terms of making anyone out West a favorite. Now you throw all those teams in the West out in the East. And I, I'm not necessarily sure they're fighting for first place. They might be fighting for seeds like four through nine. Right. Um, so again, you know, I, I think there's plenty of time for all these West teams to sort it out, but right now it feels wide open to me. It feels like one of five or six teams could easily represent the West and it would not be a shock other than the shock of not really having a favorite out West for the first time in a long time. Okay. When the Oilers make the playoffs, will you come back onto the podcast and chat a little playoff? Absolutely. Natasha, okay. If you'll have me, of course. If- if the rear if the re-airing of this podcast is actually over by then, because I think I've rambled long enough for you to potentially have to find some different sponsors. You did not ramble. It was amazing. I loved our chat. I this is the first sort of one team focus that we've had on the podcast so far, and it had to be my Oilers. So here we are. No, that was amazing. Thank you so much um, for your time. Like I know it's game day, like you said. So I'm sorry I took up so much of your time. But uh, this was great. I just want to let you know that uh, a lot of people think the world of you, and I'm one of them. Awesome. Thank you, Jack. This was amazing. Thanks for your time. You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. 